welcome back to episode 53 of Establish the Collection. I am your host, Cody Main, joined as I am every week by Gary Hartman. I guess not every week, Gary. <laughs> it's football season. Football season is officially back, which means this podcast will attempt to be a weekly show, but uh, has not started that way this season. Gary and I, both of us, very, very busy. Uh, a very fun week one NFL slate behind us now as we look forward to Chiefs Chargers tonight, Thursday night. Gary, how are you feeling after week one? I'm good. I am, um, you know, I, we just got off a fun showdown show for tonight. You'll probably be hearing this in a couple of days, but, and, and hopefully the game lived up to the hype, but we got a Herbert Mahomes Thursday night showdown. They're, they're bringing in prime video with a bang for Thursday night. So we're really excited for that. We just did a show on that. Yeah. I mean, Cody's writing multiple articles a week. I'm writing multiple articles a week. We're both on multiple shows per week. We're trying to do our own playing. Cody's got three kids. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it's life is crazy, but we're of course always happy to bring you ETC when we can see my background my boy Aaron Judge we're going to talk about him today so things are good sports are fun we're going to talk about a lot today and hopefully this this show will be very casual uh likely ill-prepared likely unprofessional um because we're kind of going on the fly but that'll be fun you'll see our process as we kind of look through uh card ladder as we look through markets as we look how on-field performance is impacting things particularly in the football world but we're going to start uh, not football related. We're going to start and kind of go around the horn here on some of the other stuff that has caught our attention in the hobby over the last couple of weeks. I'll kick things off here with my boy Hamzat Chemaev. UFC 279 is in the rear view. He was supposed to fight Nate Diaz, uh, Gary's boy, Nate Diaz. Love Gary's Nate. got a photo with Nate Diaz. So, so yeah, truly we're, we're, Gary's boy. We're besties. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't even know where to begin with talking through the Hamzat situation, but uh, I think the fight was announced in August. He was supposed to headline uh, main event, his first main event on a pay-per-view with Nate Diaz, kind of a legacy fight, if you will, for Hamzat Chemaev. It was going to be Nate Diaz's last fight of his UFC contract. And Hamzat opened up, obviously, as like a 14, minus 1,400 favorite. <laughs> this is not the same Nate Diaz that choked out Conor McGregor, right? This was... A little bit of a mismatch. Some suggested that, you know, the UFC was doing Nate dirty on his way out. Last fight of his contract, they give him the best up-and-coming prospect that we've seen in quite some time. And then it doesn't happen because uh, my boy, Hamzat, comes in eight pounds overweight. Shout out to Hamzat. Likes likes his eating. He likes to train. He likes to eat, and that's all he wants to do. And he comes in overweight. So there was about a full 12 to 24 hour period where Hamzat's this evil villain. And I started to wonder like, man, the UFC can't trust this guy to make weight uh, for main event. The UFC can't trust this guy to make weight at welterweight. What's going to happen with this guy? Like, is there going to be a situation where Dana White no longer wants to put him in position to main event pay-per-view cards because he can't trust him to make weight. And uh, you know, and, and then we get into a situation where he's got to climb his way back up to the top, but uh, then the then the conspiracy brain Cody started to flow a little bit, and also on this card was Tony Ferguson, a fan favorite who was fighting Li Jing Lang, and also on this card was uh, was uh, Daniel Rodriguez as well. So you've now got a situation where Hamza Chimaev is eight pounds over over the welterweight limit, and Nate Diaz obviously not going to accept that fight. He would have gotten ragdolled, and so. And Kevin Holland was also on this card as well. Sorry, Kevin Holland. So uh, we get into a situation where the whole card has to be reshuffled. Nate Diaz ends up fighting Tony Ferguson in the main event. Hamzat ends up fighting Kevin Holland in kind of a co-main event. And then Li Jing Lang fights Daniel Rodriguez. And 
it was an interesting way for this to come about because even before the missed weigh-ins, there was some stuff going on backstage where they didn't even have the pre-fight press conference because Hamzat was reportedly getting into it with Nate's team and getting into it with Kevin Holland's team. And so they had to completely cancel the, the pre-fight press conference because they said it was unsafe uh, for, for the press and for the fans. It was going to be some all-out brawl. Anyway, anyway, long story short, like my brain was thinking that this whole thing was crafted by Kingmaker Dana White, by Vince McMahon-esque Dana White because he needs to sell the pay-per-views, he needs to sell the gate tickets, he needs to he needs people to buy into this Nate Diaz final fight. And furthermore, for Nate's sake, if there is going to be a Conor McGregor fight sometime down the road, Nate can't go out there and get ragdolled by Hamza and still have that fan appeal. Well, Nate goes out and submits uh, Tony Ferguson, obviously has a, a just a Nate Diaz perfect uh, post-fight press conference. Sounds just like you would expect Nate Diaz to sound. So now he still has the fan, fa- the fa- the fan favor around him. And then Hamza gets this natural transition. Hey, he's cramping up. He can't make weight. We can't force him to continue to cut. He gets this nat- nat- natural transition now to middleweight which I think is probably his natural weight class. So we go from 170 to 185, and that's going to work out perfectly for him if that's the case, because if Israel Adesanya dismantles Alex Pereira, there's nobody else in that division that can ch- that can channel uh, challenge Izzy. And we know in the welterweight, there's going to be a, uh, a trilogy fight between Leon Edwards and Kamara Usman. I don't think the UFC wants to hold Hamzat back any longer. And now he's got this perfect heel personality. The fans either love him or hate him, super polarizing guy. And now he's going to go up to 185, I presume, at some point, and try to take down Izzy Adesanya, which nobody else has been able to do at this point if Izzy gets past Alex Pereira. So I went from this, this panic to like, oh, my God, my, you know, the, the, my, my favorite fighter of all time, this guy that I'm so heavily invested in, is, is going to have to climb his way back up into the UFC's favor to like, maybe this whole thing was planned. And so because of that, it, it, it had this roller coaster of emotion. I'm sure collectors and fans had this roller coaster uh, as well. There has been some positive movement, though, on Hamzat's stuff post-fight. His green uh, 2021 Prism rookie card is green in a, a raw is up 70%. His silver in a PSA 9 is up 25%. His blue out of 199 in a PSA 9 is up 20%. You know, stuff is relatively flat or moving upwards for him over the last month. So I'll, you know, we'll keep an eye on that over the next couple of days as the fight just ended, you know, a week ago now at this point, but uh, it was an interesting series of events for Hamza. For me as someone that was, was following along, I had the Ariel Hawani and ringer MMA show up all day throughout weigh-ins throughout the whole process. And they were breaking Spotify live, Spotify live streaming records Everyone was kind of waiting with bated breath, like, what's going to happen with Hamza? What's going to happen with this card? So it really kind of took over the MMA world and took over the sporting world, uh, you know, all day Friday as we kind of waited to see what was going to happen. And it, it kind of ended up being a good good run out for him, given the fact that he dismantled Kevin Holland with a first round uh, Darce choke. It was it was pretty awesome. So it, interesting finish to, to UFC 279, but... It, in all outcomes, I think that uh, our, our Hamzat bags are still fine. They're obviously packed at this point. Not much more buying to be doing, but it's got me excited for the future. Uh, I, I think 185 is in his future. I think a fight now with Izzy Adesanya as opposed to Kamara Usman or Leon Edwards is likely in his future. 
Yeah. So for me, you know, obviously I'm not the biggest UFC fan. I, I, I am keeping up on the side. Sometimes I'll catch a card here and there. But for, for in my, just in my thoughts, the closer the UFC continues to get to real life WWE, the better, I think, you know, because yeah. like when you mix the entertainment side into the great product in the, in the Octagon side, um, it's great. And like, I love your take on it. And I, and I think basically Hamza could like run over like a, a group of like a village and he would still be uh, you know, the apple of your eye. But um, I, <laughs> I, I think that it's, it's really good, I, I think, as long as. He could be a heel, you know, a, a, a real life heel. It's just, it's incredible. I love that the press conference was too dangerous. Uh, I think that's hilarious. It was, it, it does start to feel like the, and, and of course what happens in the octagon uh, still doesn't feel scripted, but it does right. feel like everything else surrounding what is happening leading up to fight night is is certainly becoming more scripted than maybe we originally thought. <laughs> so where'd you land on this? Like is conspiracy Cody in full, full blown, like this was scripted you think, or, or what? Yeah, I've actually, and I said my, my, my Hamzat bags are packed, but uh, I had a good opening opening week one uh, on props. So did, did okay with DFS, and I'm looking to offload a little bit of a little bit of those DFS winnings, a little bit of those those sports betting winnings on uh, on some Hamzat stuff. But now, like I've bought all the stuff that I want to hold long term. I bought all the stuff that I would resell after a fight. Uh, I, I kind of just want like stuff that I want to collect now at this yeah, point for, sure. for Hamzat. So I was looking for like tiger stripe stuff, zebra stripe, like inserts and, and chase cards that I have never been able to get my hands on before is kind of the stuff that I'm looking for at this point. But I, I did kind of settle in like after thinking through the entire situation and like how everything shook out that maybe not like full blown conspiracy theory. Maybe there was some stuff like, hey, he can't make weight. We got to reshuffle this. But I think just thinking through it intuitively, like. They couldn't send Nate out like that if they ever wanted to have the chance of doing a Connor fight or you know anything like that. So it kind of worked out perfectly where Tony Ferguson ended up being the optimal opponent for him for that card to sell that card and to also keep uh, you know Nate in favor with the fans because it was it was an awesome it was a it was a classic Nate Diaz performance. He you know choked him out was flexing as he was choking him out and then the post fight press conference. I mean Nate is so so good at that stuff. So you knew yeah. it was going to be good. But after the win. It was awesome. So I think it was just a really good outcome for the UFC, really good outcome for Hamza in the end. But man, it really looked like he was going to fall out of favor with the fans for a while there on Friday when he missed weight by so much. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm looking quickly if there's been any movement on Nate Diaz stuff. I don't think Card Ladder only has his colored blasts. So there's not many, not yeah. many sales on that kind of thing. But um, is he definitely done, Diaz? Like full, full on, you think? I, I think he might be with the UFC. Maybe the Connor stuff, if, if, if it can happen, the there will be a Connor fight. It sounds like that is is more likely than not going to happen. I just don't know like under which promotion it'll happen. But I don't think he's, well, that's he's done fighting. So wow, I if you want to buy Nate, there's gonna be there's gonna be a selling opportunity when that Connor McGregor fight happens. That's gonna be freaking massive. You yeah, know I mean, I mean like he that. has a market for sure. I mean, I'm just looking like some his autos, his autos in a PSA 10 Prism stuff like all consistently goes between like 180 and 600 dollars depending on yeah. the color. Like. You know, I, I think he's, you know, I love Nate, obviously. Talk about I a piece of quick, piece, I, I would want, I would want something there. Yeah. Uh, quick before we transition to, to other stuff here, um, like UFC is down as a whole. When I hadn't really even kept an eye on the the Hamzat market all that much, and I see that it's up over the last month on a lot of his stuff, the green and the silver, as I mentioned, but like there was stuff that I could only dream of getting my hands on, you know, even, even back to like the Lee Jing Lang days of when he fought him in October, like stuff that I was, I wish I would have bought in before the meteoric rise. And like now it's, it's affordable. So, um, 
yeah, the UFC market's down as a whole. A lot of the card markets are, are down as a whole right now, although yeah. a few players are still popping through. But um, yeah, there's just something to keep in mind. If you were like me and maybe you got in on Hamzad a little bit late and want some stuff now, uh, I think now is actually a decent time to buy. Yeah, so macro, um, yeah, most markets are down as a whole. Vintage is remaining strong. If you look at Card Ladder's Vintage Index is either neutral or up a little bit. Their Card Ladder 50 is actually up a little bit, which is interesting. And that's like a mix of, you know, the top cards of all time. So that that's good to see, you know, at least like the, the, the stability. And that also includes like Mahomes, you know, rookie silver, Giannis's base rookie, Luca silver. So like it does have plenty of modern stuff. And then it has like the 90s, like Peyton and Duncan and Albert Pujols and Tom Brady. But it also has, you know, Dr. J, Jim Brown, uh, Bobby Orr, Jerry West. So it, it, it really, you know, runs the gamut of all different eras and generations of just our, our greatest athletes of all time. And also the Charizards in there as well. So to see that up uh, a little bit, right now i think is a good thing um you know obviously we we that's up 12 percent over the last month actually so oh, wow. you know it's good to see that you know the the the, the, the foundational cards of this hobby re are remaining interesting and then i was talking to cody off the show like the stuff that's the others you know so baseball's barely down it's basically even over the last month it's down a quarter of a percent so that's even um uh, you know wrestling barely down high end only is down two percent not too bad overall um, you'll see football I was talking to Cody also about this. The index is down 6% over the last month, but that's not a true indicator of where football's at right now. And we'll talk about football in a little bit. Cause I think the, the main active modern stars of football are almost all up right now as football's now underway. So that's good to see, but I want to talk about this guy behind me, Cody, before we transition into football. Um, cause baseball is in the home stretch. We're middle September. So we're, we're only, you know, three weeks away or so from the playoffs and Aaron judge is having an historic season. And we spoke about him mid season. Um, we were wondering if he could keep it up, but the guy has 57 home runs now, um, with three weeks left to go of the regular season about, it's pretty crazy. Um, you know, I think a lot of people look at Roger Maris's home run record as the true home run record, which is 61. It is the Yankees record. It is the AL record, but in my opinion, it's still the true home run record. The guys that have beat that Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, we're all true, uh, Roy's guys, you know, in, in, in the pinnacle of the steroid era. So I think people are really excited about this race um, and look at it in a special way, especially, you know, the fact that he's a Yankee, the big market, um, you know, it's, it's just remarkable. And it's really been exciting to watch. Like I, I'm tuning in for every single Aaron judge at bat, even when I don't have time to be watching the Yankees right now, as much as I would like to be, I'm going <laughs> yeah. to the game on Tuesday night. That's there's only three games before then, but if he hits one per game, he can tie the game I go to, which is certainly within his, his pace. He's been hitting two in a lot of these games. The biggest, I think the biggest, concern to to him you know breaking it um would be just teams not pitching to him which is what mm -hmm. we saw with bonds towards the end of that time but there'll be enough at bats where he gets real pitches that he should get, at least be able to get to 62 here something would have to go bad at this point with the pace he's at for him not to get to 62 so really i mean these are the kind of stuff that i it was my favorite thing in the world growing up as a kid where the home run races and then when they learned that they were tainted uh you know it it it, it crushed you a little bit i mean i was and you and i are the same age so 98 like one of my first sports watching uh memories was watching mcguire sosa race mm -hmm. um it's to me there's still nothing like it in sports a true home run race I, I think it's the best and to see it you know on my team and and uh, just a larger than life guy literally he's six seven just you there there's never been a, a baseball player like aaron judge and you know we'll, we'll see what happens with the contract stuff in the offseason uh, he's going to demand a lot which is it's crazy he's 30 years old i mean yeah, I, obviously he's going to get pretty much whatever he wants now i think um but obviously it's, it's been reflected in this card market. So I think, you know, 
probably one of the best judge cards of all time sold this week on Golden, which is his red refractor. Uh, he, he's out of 2013 Bowman draft, which actually didn't have the first Bowman uh, logo on it, but that is his first card. There's all the, the first Bowmans that year did not have it on there for whatever reason. Just sold that Golden for 180000 in a BGS 9510. Um, I mean, his stuff's up crazy. So just his like Topps Chrome PSA 10 rookie, that's a pop of like almost 5,000, 4,500, is up 140% over the last three months. Uh, not obviously not yeah. surprising. I mean, this is a card that is a $285 card right now. Most other cards of, you know, of this caliber, like just a Chrome base PSA 10 of the top players in baseball aren't even this high, right? Like the Acunas and Tatises and all those guys aren't even this high. So obviously hype driving it crazy, still up 50% just over the last two weeks. So, I mean, if he breaks it, when he breaks it, if he's able to even go further than the 62, uh, we'll see. I mean, his pace remains really strong. Um, but, you know, he's he's a guy that is it's it's very exciting. And it's good to see this in baseball. This this strikes me as just like the perfect storm for everything to come together for a player's card market to really pop. When you talk about Aaron Judge, obviously uh, the Yankee stuff, Roger Maris with kind of the, the true home run record there as well. And then like baseball just trending as kind of an older crowd. And what you alluded to, I think, is so important. So important that like it feels like those those races of yesteryear are tainted because of the steroid era, and this one now feeling legitimate and, and fans getting very excited about it. And I think again, you see that reflected in the card market. And for everyone that says player performance doesn't matter, I mean, look no further than this. As you mentioned, that card was you know way down. Uh, in recent times and now you can sell it for 285 bucks you could have been picking those up and and flipping them now for 100 percent over the last couple of three months 100 percent plus over the last three months so yeah don't don't come at me with uh, the player performance stuff doesn't yeah. matter and obviously there's a lot more that goes into it than him just performing uh on the diamond but but like everything's coming together for this situation and it's nice to see these things can still happen where we can get these big deltas in card prices for guys that we we were excited to invest in yeah, I uh, couldn't agree more. And it's going to actually, I think it's going to be a pretty fun baseball postseason. I, I still don't believe in this Yankee team, but it looks like they're going to win the division by default. The Rays are kind of shooting themselves in the foot right now. They, you know, they had one of the all-time great starts and then one of the all-time historic collapses in August. Um, but they've been back to more winning than not in September. They should hold on to the division. So that should be interesting. I don't believe in their ability to win in the playoffs. I just don't think they have uh, the hitting to hit great pitching. Honestly, they have judge. If it wasn't for Aaron Judge, this would be a under 500 team. I mean, that's how important he is in their 30 games over 500. Uh, he's he's in pace to be one of the first players with a over 10 F war. Um, I think he's just uh, ever in modern era season. So I think Trout did it twice and Mookie Betts did it once. Uh, he's like a little over nine right now. It's 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 insane. So it's like he's he'll walk to the MVP award. I know a lot of people were trying to convince that it was an Otani judge battle. It's not even close. The next highest guy has 37 home runs. I think that's Kyle Schwarber. He's got over 20 home runs than the next highest player in the sport. Uh, it's remarkable. Other just things to watch in baseball. I mean, the NL race is going to be really interesting. There's three kind of powerhouse teams, in my opinion, at the top of the NL and the Dodgers, the Mets and the Braves. So all really fun teams Dodgers and Mets obviously if that could be like the NLCS I think that'd be really really good for the sport obviously those two teams have a ton of roots um the Mets only came to be after the Dodgers left Brooklyn there's a lot of shared history there a lot of shared fans uh you know the Mets Mets have been uh, an incredible season and they have great fans I mean I, I can hate on the Mets all I want but I have so many Mets fan friends in my life who are just so excited about this team they are yeah. you know completely star-studded um and 
you know, they're going to continue to be because because their owner is going to spend money. But then again, the Dodgers already convinced, already clinched the NL West a couple nights ago, and they continue just to be an absolute juggernaut. The Braves are our defending champs. I think one of those three teams is coming out of the NL. And then the AL, uh, we'll see. I mean, the Astros still hanging around. I mean, the Yankees, we'll see how, how much they can make a run in the playoffs. But, you know, keep an eye. I, I think the Mets guys like the Pete Alonso types of the world, Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, um, certainly have room to grow from a collectible standpoint over the next two months as they make their playoff runs. So, All right, we got we to gotta touch NBA real quick before we finish, close things out with NFL. The real big NBA offseason storyline at this point has been the Donovan Mitchell trade and, and really the one guy that still has or had a, a card market. Um, Donovan Mitchell obviously gets traded to the Cavaliers. They now have a starting five that projects to roll out Darius Garland, Mitchell himself, Isaac Okoro, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. It feels to me like the Cavs didn't have to give up all that much for Donovan Mitchell. And I like this starting five. I like Garland, a guy that we've talked about a lot on the show. We like Evan Mobley as a guy that could that could truly transcend transcend uh, the sport and be a dominant dominant big, and now you got a starting five with this Cavaliers team that looks pretty formidable. Donovan Mitchell, a guy that we have liked, a guy that we have talked about, but man, there was a precipitous drop off in his card market. His silver PSA ten had peaked uh, right around seven hundred dollars. Was last sold for three hundred and ninety dollars. You know, pop count of just five seventy from that twenty seventeen class. And you mentioned off air, like it almost feels like the trade to the Knicks was baked into that price a little bit with him going to Cleveland and maybe collectors not being as excited about him being in Cleveland as they were assuming he ended up in New York. As a Knicks fan, as a basketball collector, as a basketball analyst, how do you feel about this trade? Yeah, so lots to break down there. Uh, It's funny because as from a basketball standpoint, it it couldn't have broke better for him. That Cavs team is sick. He's Mm going to match. I mean, from a defensive standpoint, we need to see him look like he looked in college for that team to really win. But I I mean, he's a 6'10 wingspan guy. Like He's supposed to be a great perimeter defender, and I think he can get back there. That, that their team's going to be really, really good. They're a contender at least. Uh, yeah. they are, they're, they're deep. Him and Garland together is incredible. Um, they still have Kevin Love on that roster who had a really strong year in his you know six-man role last year. So from a basketball standpoint, it was a much better situation than the Knicks. They're going to do a lot more winning. Uh, you know, it's, but, but from a market standpoint, it couldn't be more different. New York versus Cleveland, it's, 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 ying, it's the complete opposite ends of, of the pole on the spectrum from a, a media, from a, an attention standpoint, everything that he's going to be looking to get uh, over the next couple of years in his career. So I understand why the market dipped uh, on him. And I'll talk about my thoughts on the trade in a second. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Even his base, which is a pop of 5,000 in the PSA 10, is down 12% over the last two weeks. It's down 8% over the last month. The silver, though, yeah, that was the big drop-off. Uh, and again, you mentioned only the 575 pop or whatever. But uh, man, it, 11% over the last month decreased 44% on three sales. So only three sales, but keep in mind, but 44% decrease over the last two weeks, down to a $390 card. We were talking about this card as like a $700 card almost uh, during the season. And I get that we're in the off-season right now. The market, the basketball market's going to be down in general, but that's obviously people dumping off their positions after hoping that he would be a Nick. Um, as a Knicks fan, I am completely fine with it, uh, which is not maybe what you would expect. Um, I do think the Jazz were just bitter and didn't take the Knicks offer because they did the whole thing with RJ Barrett's contract extension, which obviously I'm super excited about. And Danny Ainge is a petty man. Uh, he's a penny, petty little man. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. Like the guy is like a yeah. old school, like, F you, you're not doing it my way. I'm going over to the next best offer. And the Cavs did give up a good package, but it's not what the Knicks could have given up. Um, 
and good on the Cavs for making the move. It made so much more sense for them where they are as a roster, as a, uh, you know, being able to have them for team control, young, incredible, talented, all-star type youth all over that roster. So it did make more sense to give up Colin Sexton, give up uh, th- what, three unprotected per- first two swaps. Um, you know, that could end up hurting them in 2029-ish uh, because Mitchell's only under contract for three years. I don't know if he's going to stay past that. But for the next three years, they should really compete as Evan Mobley gets a lot better, as Darius Garland gets a lot better. Jared Allen is one of the more secure, um, really good centers in the league. And Donovan Mitchell has room to grow. So, you know, from a basketball standpoint, I think it makes sense for both the Knicks and the Cavs. I think people are giving the Knicks a really hard time for not pulling the trigger because they finally had that superstar sitting in their lap and it didn't happen. But, uh, you know, based on reports at the end of the deal, they would have had to include RJ Barrett in that deal. I don't think that was ever going to be worth it um, just in general, because, I, you know, obviously I'm incredibly bullish on him. He's got a lot more room to go. Very happy he's going to be around for, you know, first Nick to get the first round Nick to get the rookie extension since Charlie Ward. Really insane. Um, but I'm happy where the Knicks are at. I think they still, you know, you still keep building block, keep keep developing yeah. young talent. They have a lot of good young talent in Quentin Grimes and Obi Toppin, Emmanuel quickly. Now they're bringing Jalen Brunson, obviously RJ Barrett. Um, Keep building that and then strike when the iron's hot once again, because there we talk about, we, you and I have spoken about this a lot, but there's disgruntled NBA stars all the freaking time. Mm -hmm. Another one will come along. If you have to make your move, then make your move. They still have all these picks. Now I'm not nearly as mad as Leon, at Leon Rose as everyone else is. I do think eventually they're going to have to make that move, but I'm not totally pissed off that it wasn't for Donovan Mitchell in this spot. Also him and Brunson were not going to be the best fit together. I get that. That's not the thing you necessarily worry about. You get the superstar and you figure out the fit next, but you know, would I have liked to see him become a Nick? Probably for what it was going to cost. Not really. And am I upset that he's not a Nick right now? No, not at all. So there you go. All right. We're, we're 25 minutes into a show after week one and we haven't touched football yet. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm going to give you the floor and see where you want to go with this. I have the card ladder football index pulled up, which is down about 6% over the last month. If I've got that right, but I've, I'm sorting here by cards. I've got uh, a value filter set for cards that are more than a hundred dollars kind of trying to fil- filter out the you know the true true kind of garbage if you will and man there's a lot of stuff that is up over the last month um oh. i've got a couple, couple of guys that i'll throw out a couple of skill position guys that i'll throw out aj brown's 2019 prism silver on a psa 10 is up over 100 percent. that's a 270 dollar card lamar jackson uh concourse silver card is up daniel jones our boy uh, gold laser PSA 10 is up 74%. <laughs> Bunch of Josh Allen stuff is up. A couple of two uh, cards look like they're up over the last 30 days as well. Kind of a, a mixed bag here where a lot of different names uh, are up. Justin Jefferson, another guy I wanted to mention, his silver raw and silver PSA 10 up 48 and 47% respectively. So I know it's it, it looks like the football market is down as a whole if you look at the index, but a lot of guys are breaking through that trend. Anybody from week one, uh, anyone's anyone's card market from week one that really stands out to you at all? Yeah, I like a lot of these card lottery indexes, but I'm not a big fan of this football one. They got like Josh Jacobs cards in there and stuff yeah. that is just completely irrelevant. So uh, to me, football's up. It really is. I mean, and I think you were hitting on the trend that I want to talk about. Wide receivers, man, we were talking about it. Can this continue? What we've seen over the last two years where these like super fantasy relevant guys are having markets? And absolutely we can. I mean, Justin Jefferson comes out, you know, as a world beater in week one, the guy, his base also base PSA 10 is up 25% over the last month, uh, 25% over the last two weeks as well. So, you know, I, I think that's really encouraging. I re- I think football, you know, I talked about the hype by the national. It was all football. Football has kind of taken over from basketball, from the pandemic hype as uh, I think the American sport that uh, casual card collectors are most excited about right now. I all, and I think 
uh, serious investors are most excited about right now. Everyone wants football. Everyone wants high-end football. Everyone wants the quarterbacks, the exciting young players. And Mahomes is up. Burrow's uh, Herbert's up. Josh Allen's up. Lamar's up. Our, our Lamar card's up a little bit. Like, everyone's up right now uh, towards the beginning of this season. And that will, you know, ebb and flow as guys have down weeks. Um, like I keep coming back to that Kyler Murray example from last year. And Mahomes yeah. was a great example last year. Both guys, we were saying, sell, sell Kyler, buy Mahomes at the beginning of the season. And you're going to still see that once these, these sample sizes grow a little bit. So when we get to weeks three and four and, hey, if, uh, I don't know, the, 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 the Cardinals are, are one in three, right? And we're two weeks away from Hopkins going back and Kyler's down 30%. That might be a time to buy Kyler. But, you know, if uh, Burrow is probably a similar example, right? If they're one in three or something like that. But, um you know, if, if someone is is four and zero, you know, and they have a tough stretch of schedule coming up, and their their cards are up huge, you might tell you to sell at that point. So we're right in the midst of the good football season ebb and flows on on field performance impacting card markets and football as a whole. As far as the the, the relevant active modern NFL superstars, almost are, are up across the board. Yeah, one, and one guy talk about modern relevant superstars, a guy that's kind of transforming or trying to transform here into superstardom Jalen Hurts man yeah Jalen Hurts went out and balled in, in week one was kind of the chalk DFS quarterback obviously got there against the Lions look ahead to that schedule they got the Vikings in a primetime game this week uh Monday night I'll write that game up excited to talk about Jalen Hurts in that one and then they go Commanders Jaguars Cardinals Cowboys a team that looks decimated at this point by injuries and lack of skill position talent I think Man, I, I know that the Giants looked good. I think that uh, the Eagles end up coming out of uh, the NFC East. I think they've got a playoff run in them potentially. And the pairing with him and A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith didn't even do anything in week one, but they still have him. Miles Sanders looked good. Dallas Goddard is still available. Man, this Eagles team looks good, looks fun. And, and Jalen Hurts is definitely the kind of guy that the hobby can rally around. Not a lot of stuff on card ladder, so you kind of need to dig a little bit deeper. 130 point, obviously a good resource if you want to find recent sales but even as base psa 10 a card that we talked about on our sports card draft in last episode up 30 percent over the last month you know i think i think people are getting excited about this and, and kind of buying into jalen hurts taking this step into superstardom and credit to the eagles they're they're you know they gave him everything that they possibly could for him to try and do that so this is definitely a card that i'm watching over the next couple of weeks and especially if they start you know four and two or, or five and one or something like that with this light schedule there, there's a, a selling window there and also a window that if you just want to hold to a, a, you know, a potential playoff run, that this Eagles team could could make it deep into uh, deep into January. Yeah, biggest takeaway for me was how much they used A.J. Brown and I think how willing they were to pass. So if their pass rate over expectation is going to continue to be high throughout the season, you're you're in store for some big Jalen Hurts games because we we know what he could do on the ground and we thought that maybe they would want to be really run heavy, but we should maybe we shouldn't have been so surprised. They gave up a, a lot of... Uh, draft capital to go get AJ Brown, one of the young top 10 receivers in the league. He, he seems like he's going to be a true alpha number one over there. Uh, and you see that, as you mentioned at the beginning of this segment, you see that reflected in his card market as well. Um, but yeah, if the, if, if the Eagles are going to, going to go out and willing to throw, like really throw, um, you know, I still think there's a dissonance between fantasy life and NFL analysis, like the NFL live type people on Jalen hurts as a quarterback. But if he could show that he really is a true NFL winning you know, quarterback with that, that the underlying metrics support, not just a fantasy superstar. That's where his market takes a jump. You know, it's like, it's like when you, when you meet the Mahomes, Josh Allen, that perfect mix of both NFL people and fantasy people realize how good this guy is uh, right now. I still think that's very tilted towards the fantasy and, and, you know, seems like NFL card community a little bit, 
Um, but once, you know, once he's proving that he's like one of those true NFL top 10, top 12 quarterbacks from a winning perspective, from a, an efficiency perspective, that's when, that's when these cards take a jump. So watch out for that. Yeah. And filtering even just a little bit more on card ladder, if you go kind of just looking at modern stuff, which I think is a good, a good barometer of where the hobby is at on, on obviously the on-field performance and football being back impacting things and cards that are over $500 in price. So you really kind of filter out the base stuff, even some of the silver stuff you get into graded cards here. I mean, it's, 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 it's the guys that you would expect to be up, especially coming in with, with the offseason hype, with the, the week one performances under their belts. It's all the names that you would expect to be up. And a lot of guys that we were talking about throughout the, the, the course of the offseason, Lamar is up. Josh Allen is um, up almost across the board. He looked amazing in the opener in week one. Uh, Joe Burrow is, is up despite kind of a, a lackadaisical performance in week one, if you will. Patrick Mahomes is up, going to be an, an awesome, awesome game tonight, as you mentioned off the front as we're recording Thursday night ahead of the game with a 54-point total, them in the Chargers. Justin Jefferson still, uh, I mean, that that silver PSA 10 being an $1,100 card is is wild. But, uh, I mean, Tua, even some of Tua's stuff is up. So, yeah, don't don't let the card ladder index fool you on this one. Modern football is in a great spot, and the guys that we we expected to kind of increase in price early on this season went out and performed, and their card markets have have followed suit. Yep, yep. No, I couldn't agree more. I I think I think these superstars like are are all going to continue to be up as a whole, and I, and I just think as we said, their ebb and flows are going to be there. Try to buy dips, you know. If if tonight, and you know, by the time you hear this, it'll happen. If the Chiefs go out and win forty to ten against the, the Chargers, and Herbert throws three picks or something, like if you could scoop Justin Herbert on a little dip this week, go for it. There's going to be plenty of opportunities, this, you know, throughout the next three months to be, you know, regain that value. So, you know, the the market is definitely reactionary, and especially in these prime time, big time game spots. So I would just say watch out for that. But I'm very I'm encouraged at the card ladder 50 being up like the true all time great cards. And I'm encouraged in football in general being up. So I'm excited. All right, man, we got to start pre gaming for this game tonight because yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be a big one. And and I often think about this because I write up all of these primetime matchups. The games generally for DFS, for fantasy players, for sports betters don't matter. The money's still there. We're still going to make money. But I'm like legitimately excited for this game. 54 point total, four point spread. Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, two of the hobby's biggest names, two of football's biggest names. So 34 minutes. We're going to keep it sweet and short. We're going to get out of here on that. Anything before we let our beautiful listeners go that, that you want to mention? No, but um, hopefully our Daniel Jones back could do, do all right. Brian, we're off to a good start with Brian Dable. So uh, I hate to say it, but if there's opportunities for me to offload during the season, I'm going to do it. Because I think that – I think I think he – I think they. I think he gets them in come competition for a wild card spot just because the NFC is so so weak, and they if they can play around five hundred ball. But I think no matter what, Joe Shane has his eyes on a future quarterback uh, here in the next year or two. So you, you know, we were we were recording the Sunday night show, and you were kind of in the depths of despair when you jumped on the recording. I think they were they were down. It was maybe going into half. They were down two touchdowns or something like yeah, that, and then down like thirteen nothing. Yeah. 75 yeah. yard Saquon Barkley run, and then a a, a bomb to Richie James, right? Uh, to, to Shepard, man. Shepard, that's and, right. Yeah. Coming coming off the Achilles. It's crazy. Crazy. Um, crazy. Saquon. Saquon's up. Uh, Saquon's a guy that's going to be, well, I guess I, I shouldn't say that just willy-dilly. I, I would imagine he's a guy that's going to be up, um, you know, coming back off. I guess his base is down a little bit. But I know I put up some Saquon, like RPAs and stuff this week. I'm just going to be offloading as he looks as good as he ever has. But, yeah. The Giants, the Giants are, I mean, Look, I, the Titans shot themselves in the foot in that game as much as the Giants uh, won it. But just the fact that they were able to come come back in that game and and play real football with 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 uh, 
with pre-snap motion, like the like things that modern offenses are doing. We haven't seen this out of the Giants in freaking eight years, man. Ten, nine years. It's it's great. It's great to see. I'm excited. And I love Brian Dayballs. I mean, he went for two to win the game. Uh, guy's a huge giant nutsack. We love Brian Dayball. I, I, he's, he's uh, massive nutsack. But I do have to ask a question. Like, as I know you're so plugged in to the, the Giants stuff, and we'll get out of here on this. Kadarius Tony, right? Seven routes, I think it was. Seven snaps maybe in, in yeah, week one snaps. in total. Has he yeah. just fallen out of favor was that like a hey prove it to me type of thing i i haven't kept up on it but what's the deal with Kadarius tony it's funny we're talking about it right now in our projections slack room um as we're trying to figure out how to project him in yeah. dfs for the future here um i think that he was out all off season is i think the coaches question his uh commitment to football as opposed to other things i i think he's he's a he is a character to say the least. So yeah. like, I actually think his teammates like him. He makes them laugh. Uh, he's a funny guy, but I think they question his commitment to football. I think um, he, I've heard a theory that he didn't learn the full playbook, uh, which obviously would have any coaching staff incensed. I get it's a hard playbook coming over from, from Buffalo. It's a mix of the Buffalo and KC playbook with Kafka mm-hmm. and, and, and Dable. Obviously that's going to be a very hard playbook to learn coming from a Jason Garrett offense. Right. Um, but you know, he will start making his way onto the field. Talent will win out here. The question is like, First of all, there's health concerns. And if there's always something else that could just like fire him off at any point that the coaching staff can get pissed about, there's inherent risk there. So am I feeling great about my like 17% Kadarius Tony bags in, in best ball? Not great. But I do think that there will be spike weeks and he's gonna earn his way onto the field. It's just gonna it's gonna be gradual. All right, we're gonna we're gonna get out of here on a Jason Garrett catching a stray bullet from from, <laughs> from Gary and us packing our Daniel Jones bags. There's no better way to in it to end the first official established collection show from the NFL season. So Jason Garrett, I'm sorry. We love you. We don't love you, but uh, we're packing our Daniel Jones bags with Brian Dable and his massive nutsack for Gary. I'm Cody. We'll see you guys next week. Hey guys.